Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Planet Positive. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm really excited today for this virtual gathering. Um, Planet Positive is a global think tank, a venture capital advisory, and accelerator serving to address humanity's most pressing yeah, so needs. Without further ado, let's, let's jump right in. This week, we feature Ariana Ivan, founder of 108 Forests, which develops the science of saving forests. Ariana offers solutions on how to preserve natural landscapes, forest ethics, and good governance. Her mission is to fight deforestation and climate change. She has developed a sustainable forestry model that financially incentivizes people to preserve forests. And so Ariana, coming from Romania and the ecosystems of Romania, welcome to this call. And I can't wait to hear more about, you know, your uh, sustainable forestry. Yeah, thank you. I'm very excited and happy to be here. Thank you so much, Peter, for inviting me. Um, I would like to share the screen um, so that I can present you what we do. Um, okay, so as you mentioned, I am from Romania and I was very fortunate to grow up in and around the forest and go on these trips um, all summer long or in between like holidays. Um, and I basically had created this connection with the forest where I would go there to connect, to relax um, and really feel alive. And not long ago, um, I went back to those places um, and this is what I saw. I saw half of the mountains empty and um, I was in shock. I then traveled further and I saw the same thing. So I was like, why? Why do people wanna cut down old forests when you know climate change is happening, when we take our mental health from there when a lot of species live there, why? Um, so I went further and I researched because I wanted to understand like what's actually like the status all over the world. And I realized that 80% of the forests have already been degraded. So I got even more shocked. And researching in front of my computer was not an option anymore. So I was fortunate enough to start working with um, a family office in Berlin um, and um, understand what's happening um, on the ground. So we were looking to steward forest um, uh, ecosystems in Romania. And while I was um, searching for, um, for forests, I started to do my own um, little research and talk to the the people that were actually doing um, the cutting. So I went to the people that were in the forest, like this guy here, um, and um, I, I asked them, so why do you, why do, you do this? Um, I explained to him, like, how can you, like, you lived, you, you um, were born here, you live here, and now you're like destroying your own, um, little village or like, why do you do this? And to my surprise, or maybe not surprise, 
um, he said very blindly to me, um, money, I need money. And you know, I was like, oh, I mean, of course, that, that makes total sense. Um, so I stopped and I was like, oh, just to give you a picture, this, these people that I talk to, they're usually in their um, late 30s, mid 40s. They already have families. They live in villages around the forests um, and they've been trained to work with their hands. So that's what they've been doing their whole life. So I asked him, well, so like, if you are aware of this problem, why don't you like get a different job? And he said, he laughed at me because, you know, like imagine just like me um, going to like this men that that's what they do every single day and like trying to convince them to quit their job. Um, he's like, well, look around. This is the only industry around that I can actually like work for. And I was like, oh, obviously makes sense. Um, and he's like, he told me, well, if you're so eager and like passionate about it, do you have a job for me? And I was like, oh, I froze. I even felt embarrassed. Um, so I was like, well, not yet, but I'm gonna come back to you on that. Um, so I went further and then I actually wanted to talk to the forest owners, the people that um, were owning the forest and they didn't wanna sell it, but also some people that did want to sell the forest, some people that were actually doing active logging on it, some people that were doing active logging and also illegal logging. So I, I went to, to these type of um, humans and I asked them the same question, like, why do you do this? And of course, obviously the same answer, money, we need, we don't need, um, long-term financial stuff we just need right now like this month we need to cover food we need to cover that we need to cover that like right now i don't have time to wait for for anything so it's like hmm okay um i was i asked them so like can you do something else and they're like no like i logging is the only way to make money with the forest and i was like is it? It's like, yeah. And again, these people usually live in like cities, maybe like small cities around the forest areas. And I asked them, well, what if you like bring meditate, like um, a group of meditation, um, like a, a meditation retreat there where people can come and meditate in the forest, connect to them. And they're like, what? And I was like, okay, what about like agroforestry? I heard, I heard this term, like maybe you can like search and understand what type of food you can grow in the forest. I see you have mushrooms here. Um, is there like anything you can do there? He's like, what? So I started to like tell him, all, like, I was like carbon credits. What about making partnerships with companies and them becoming, you know, the stewards of the forest and protecting the forest. I was like, what? So to these people, I was speaking a foreign language. Um, because, you know, they, they were not connected to the world that I was connected. And they were coming to me and they were saying, no, this is impossible. You can't make money with a forest. I can't make money in any other way. I, this is my only solution. 
I was like, well, I kind of doubt that. So I went, you know, we saved some forests and I went further and did some research and understood what can you actually do on a forest. So this is how I came up with 108 Forest, um, which is based here in the US. I'm currently in San Francisco. Um, and I want to provide a model that financially incentivizes people to preserve the forest. Because I believe it's not, you know, I've been at different talks and everyone says, um, a lot of people, not everyone, a lot of people say, let's stop cutting forests. They ask the timber companies, stop cutting the forest. They ask the forest owners, stop doing logging. But I don't feel that it's fair to tell people to stop doing their job when they don't know what else there is to do. So um, this model that we've been researching has two parts. And the first one is the governance part. Because while I was in the field and talking to people and talking to the local governments as well, um, I understood that um, although there are, the government says, you know, don't cut more than X percentage per year, in countries that, you know, you can give bribes or, you know, you can like go around the system, um, there are still ways that you can just do a lot of damage. So the first thing in order for us to protect the forest is to understand how to legally protect it and how to legally at the same time provide um, profits to the, all the stakeholders involved. So after many, many hours of research, I understood that there is this structure here in the US and can be duplicated around the world called the Purpose Trust, Perpetual Purpose Trust, together with a management entity. So when you have this, what we do right now is that either if we acquire forests, we can place the, the forest under this trust, or um, if we work with forest owners, we can place the conservation rights under this trust. And this is, um, this allows for the forest to be protected in perpetuity because every five years there is a new board of directors coming and their whole job is to protect the forest. And at the same time, any investor, any person that helps us is able to receive ongoing dividends. And this is where like the, the attractive part happens in the governance because usually you have nonprofit um, organizations, you have foundations, and you're going and asking, you know, for um, you're going and talking to philanthropists. That's what I did um, last year. So in this way, we say, hey, we can protect the forest and at the same time have this um, legal uh, vehicle to provide um, some dividends back. But this alone is not enough because, you know, in countries that we work in, um, like such as Panama or Romania or other places, um, you can still, um, you know, go around it maybe a bit. So I'm gonna go into the second part of the model now, which is community. 
what happens when you know even there even though there is like a legal structure in place what happens is that if someone is not on the ground the forest owners the locals will most likely go and cut down the forest so we we thought okay how can we actually make money with the forest without cutting things down without cutting trees down so um we realized that we can implement a forest caretaker model where we can separate the land ownership rights from land working rights and provide land working rights to entrepreneurs, to ethical businesses, to farmers that want to come on that land, protect it and do an amazing business there that doesn't um, damage the forest. And these are the type of businesses that we've researched um, or types of forest caretakers that um, we've been talking to that can go on the ground, um, start you know, a meditation um, um, retreat there where they can bring people um, on a regular basis or different health solutions or research or um, different um, uh, food systems. So, each one of this has a bunch of subcategories that can happen in and around the forest that these forest caretakers receive um, the land working rights for like a week or two days or even 50 years so they don't need to go and like you know raise a lot of money to like buy the land and so on and then they like lose a lot of money to like put um, a business there and it's like so tiring, but they can actually, a forest owner can have this forest caretaker model on as an umbrella, and then different type of activities can happen on the land that minimize the impact on the forest, because that's the number one thing that we put as you know rule, and maximize the value that is provided for their business, for the local community, and in the end, there is like a win-win situation. Um, so just to give you a, a, an overview of what I'm talking about, um, with a thousand acre uh, forest in a temperate climate, we did some uh, projections and this area is in a more, you know, like has like ocean view. So like it's, it's not um, a very remote area. Um, so with this type of property, the potential is to make 950K um, in year one. And you're going to be like, now what? So um, we've, we have like a list of the stuff that each forest can do, um, what um, each area can do, you know, if there's like a temperate forest or a tropical forest, there's so many factors to take into account. But let's take the simpler, the simplest um, ones. So I had companies like corporations come to me um, and ask me, what can I do to protect the forest? I understood you, Stuart did already a few forests. Can we like work together, give you money to protect it? So we were like, oh, now you can do it. You can become a forest caretaker, pay a monthly or an annual fee per acre. And that forest is gonna be, uh, because of you, protected. Then, we're doing the land leasing models to businesses 
like farmers, entrepreneurs that are in those categories that I just showed you. And um, they go there, protect the forest and create something that they love and then they share it with the world. But let's say someone doesn't have the money to, um, because we, we, we face that, that some people don't necessarily have the upfront money to pay that, we can do a revenue share model where, for example, in Italy, there are art parks where um, organizations that have forests or forest owners invite artists to create certain art there and then invite the locals to come um, and enjoy the art, enjoy the nature. That's one thing. Or there's, I'm talking to, for, uh, to people that work in forest therapy and they bring people to the forest, have them for like a day there, they go enjoy, they go to like a, a ritual to like, you know, distress or whatever they do there. Um, and that's another thing they can do. Or there are all these like health retreats where people go to um, that they can now go, you know, for a weekend in the forest. And all these people are looking for, for a place to go. And when we talked to them and I said, well, you can now, you know, become a forest caretaker and you can protect the area and do your own business. And everyone is like enthusiastic about it. So now I was thinking that um, there's like this community, you know, we use forest as a health solution. We use forest as a, you know, a place to come protect the habitat and create something that we love and share it with the world. Um, right now, we are in the research and development phase. And what that means is that we're targeting individuals who own forests and individuals who um, like uh, state-owned forests in North, South and Central America. Um, but we already have partnerships. Um, the latest one that I'm um, closed, that I just closed um, a day ago um, is with a tropical forest owner um, in Panama. And we're gonna work with him very closely now, um, starting in January um, to put this model. And also there are a lot of forest owners around um, him that we can work with. And we're also, um, we also partnered with Terra Libre Foundation who are helping us um, weekly. Um, and they have 1,600 acres of forest globally. And they were monitoring with them the projects that they already have um, in the like, different housing, living structures, different food structures. Um, so we are working with them as well. My goal with this research and development phase is to, you know, obviously create the data have this handbook of the science of profitably saving forests, raise awareness that this is possible and you know, share all the learnings that we've done um, with the world. And this very small step is gonna get us to the bigger um, picture that of sustainably, like having a sustainable forest management model for private and public forests and scale that, whether it's like in, um, in temperate forests or tropical forests, um, this model can be scaled. Um, we see that with every protected forest, there is a self-sufficient community that is formed on that area that works closely with the 
with the locals and creates jobs and education opportunities for them. And as I said previously, instead of having forest as a wood product, we have forest as a health solution to people. And then the narrative started, starts to change in people's minds. Um, and all these four lead to us together as a community protecting the forest and the habitat because it's not enough for one person, for a forester or for a forest owner to protect the forest, but it takes a community like us today to protect the forest. Um, so that's where I am. And I am open for feedback and support because this is a work in progress um, model that we're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Um, but you know, there is no alternative. Like we can't continue the way um, we're continue we're doing, you know, um, the deforestation right now. We can't do that anymore. So we need to do something. And um, I'm working to do that. So thank you so much for listening and for your time. I'm very grateful. Thank you, Ariana. Thank you for this very unique and renewed way to approach forestry. Um, I'm gonna help you and the share awesome yeah so here we are again in the in the big circle that's not quite a circle yet um i'm sure there's a lot of people in this call alone that have access to land um, mm. i'm sure there are quite a few questions here as well so if there are questions feel free to put them in the chat or unmute yourself and let's let's get let's get this conversation started um it's, it's truly needed to rethink the way we approach forests. And Ariana, I loved how you, you know, just approached the person cutting down the tree, the very beginning of this story, because that, that human being, it, it might, it might look, um, it might almost look like that person has a bad intention, but really they just provide for their own family. And so exactly. unless we create new opportunities, um, that person will continue to do that. Right. Yep. So how are we doing, everyone? Who has a question and is ready to throw them into, into the, the group here? Um, so I think there are like a few questions in the chat. Do well, I go start, or do yeah. you go? <laughs> I, either way, I mean, let's just start with the last one here from Alan and then I'll, I'll read them backwards and bring them to you. So what about Brazil? Do you have any projects in Brazil? Um, Alan, that's a great question. No, not yet. We do. Um, I mean, Alan knows that we work with Claudian. So um, Claudian from Terra, Terra Livre. Um, so I'm supporting Claudian um, and Terra Livre on that um, on that end, um, but not not yet. If Alan has some opportunities, I would be happy to talk to him. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> talk. On the on the Brazil note, I might actually uh, also have opportunities there. I go to Brazil every year, and I'm actually uh, talking to one of my uh, friends in my network tomorrow, I believe, uh, Celine Cousteau, who is the granddaughter of Jean, uh, Jacques Cousteau. I know her better than her granddad, but she's um, very active uh, in the Amazon and um, with indigenous tribes there. So yeah, let's definitely revisit that conversation um, as well, Ariana. What if the loggers could grow hemp? And then we'll get to George right after. What if the loggers could grow hemp? Would that be another additional values to you or like added value chain? That's a question from Stephen. So we did talk to some some people active in the like like timber industry, and um, 
what's happening there is that some companies do own land like they actually yeah like own it um and um what they are curious to do is if they can you know get the support to have wood farms and instead of like cutting old growth forests uh, because yeah for them cutting just existing forests is much cheaper um, but if we can help them to you know grow wood um, as a farm that's something appealing to them hemp probably is very appealing to them as well um, yeah so I think if we can show them like the actual numbers and then support them to transition they're definitely open to try it out um because again we can't say like hey stop using wood because wood is so you know like everyone loves wood um so yeah we can definitely exciting ariana do make sure to put your email address in the chat as well so that all of these great suggestions um will will uh, be you know can continue into a conversation afterwards and george uh, feel free to to ask a question Thanks. Yeah, I I, uh, I love the work and um, work closely with Julian and Alan and Peter and Joe. And uh, I think that there's a couple of opportunities here. One with the fires we've had, you know, actually reforesting areas, um, teaching the loggers how to manage the, the forest so that they're less apt to burn. And then two other opportunities are kind of low hanging fruit. One is parks. You know, I know you need to re renew the trees and parks and a lot of the favorite parks, we, you know, we're in San Francisco area, so Golden Gate Park, you know, going in and, and helping with the reforestation of the parks and then also golf courses. We have golf courses all around the world. They all have trees and, and they need to pay to manage those trees and we can help them do it in a, in a, in a safer, healthier way that um, could also grow food for the communities uh, and uh, as well as being served at the golf course clubhouses. So uh, look forward to you know sharing ideas and seeing what we can do together. Thanks. Thank you. That sounds amazing. I'm curious to learn more. Well, definitely everyone in this call here is passionate about you know the forests and the way we we connect with land. And very often it's it's just that you know the new pathway forward needs to it needs to literally be created like we cannot wait um, for it to to happen by serendipity so this is a this is a great um a, a great kind of mind melt here so who who else has a question hi it's will here i had a um i've been trying to think through this for Kind of month or so now and the context of protecting very large areas of uh, forest is there uh, something that is or can be done relating to carbon offset and ecosystem services that is enough of a payment that protects uh, on, over a very large area that protects a significant area of ecosystem and carbon and, uh, and rainfall that makes it is a significant disincentive to deforest that incremental acre and stops government policy or other um, corporate actions that incentivize someone to chop down that next, what we call the kind of football field of trees, um, which means that you don't have to buy the whole um, 
you know, area of rainforest, in fact, you're making a payment to protect a much bigger area that stops if the, um, if logging, for example, continues on the boundaries where it shouldn't uh, continue. So you therefore incentivize government and the, the broader owners to, um, to protect that area. Has anyone yeah. um, looked into this? Because I, you know, I, otherwise I can only see it leading in a few years time to potentially even military action to protect some of these areas. <laughs> yeah, I can say something. I think Alan, I, like I know that Alan for, um, that he is more knowledgeable than I am on the topic. Um, we did research on this and we, we started to, know work with the like apply for accreditation and stuff um and i've talked to a number of, of scientists and um the carbon credits industry from my own little bubble um is very um it's not transparent or it's not set up um i couldn't get the help to you know um set this properly up and when I ask like what are the prices or what can I work with and everyone is like that I talk to probably um I got the answer of like well you you can set things up by yourself you can put your own price and my reaction to that because it's still not regulated enough for for us to work um and we came up with the with the corporate stewardship where companies um, came to us like Lufthansa and they said um, it's okay if you can provide us with a certificate but if you can actually like um, work with us um, and together to protect areas they give you know the same as carbon credits but um, in a more like not certified way maybe so they are currently willing to to do that and become, you know, the stewards of forests and just put money into those areas to protect them. But Alan, I think you have maybe like a better overview. Yeah, I, th I think what you're doing is, is, is awesome because it works at different scales. Right now, the carbon credit markets only work for very large projects, um, but, but we wanna change that. Um, and uh, the, the idea is uh, that we need to shift from a bureaucracy heavy 1980s style you know inspectors come walk take soil samples write pre-inspection reports other bureaucrats review it etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean hundreds of thousands even millions are spent in just the certification process right yeah and uh, and right now the entire uh, voluntary carbon credit market with all the different certification standards there is 130 million tons which is about a half a percent of global emissions, and we're about a hundredfold short of where we need to be for Paris. So, um, so we need technology solutions to do that. Um, you know, satellites, uh, for example, lidar, mobile phone verification, and uh, and I think there there there's there's good momentum there, um, and uh, and that means that um, smaller projects in the future that you can do, you know, even if you had, you know, a ten acre farm agroforestry project, um, you could do something like that um, in the future. So that's, that's this idea. We need to kind of liberate, you know, liberate uh, the world from, you know, the bureaucrats who are not moving fast enough um, to, to yeah, basically- I, I, I'd almost liken it to unsecured lending is what you're saying. It's more of a philanthropic approach, smaller, less verified equivalent, but um, 
common sense enables you to 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 participate if that makes sense without the over, without the excess expense of too much detailed verification if that's what you're saying yeah i mean that's it's it's possible if you can tell the story right um the 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 for it to be really scalable to to protect the amount of forests that we need we need some technology to back it and so the idea is that um technology can give us the verification right if it's yes. around keeping an old growth forest protected there's a very there's a already a a tree no tree algorithm that regen network is implemented right so if you said yes. you're protecting you know 10 hectares with, you know, 3000 old growth, you know, trees, you can count them, you know, on the satellite. So no bureaucrats needed. So um, in other words, um, we can, you know, with, with technologies, we can make the verification science-based as opposed to people-based and that will change it. So all of Ariana's projects will have additional sources of revenue Whoever is looking at backing, uh, investing in, in one of those purpose, perpetual purpose trusts will likely get additional forms of revenue in terms of living ecosystem credits, carbon, biodiversity, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. So investing in nature will only get more profitable with yeah. this. There is another side to it. What we, what we see is that um, even though we provide all these incentives on the local um, in like the local communities um, for us to protect these areas. For some probably education reasons, um, in this beautiful uh, forest, uh, forest they, the locals still like don't understand the value of their own forest, so they still cut them down. So if someone is not on the ground to actually protect it and like provide them with ongoing monthly um, financial incentives, they still like cut them down. I have an example like with a forest in, in Panama, um, our partner, he's a biologist and um, he brought them revenue. Like he, he uh, brought people there um, for a while and um, gave revenue to the forest owners and everyone was happy. And then he left for two months. And when he came back, the forest was cut. Um, a lot of the forest was cut and he's like what are you doing I told you we're like able to provide you with like uh, you know financial um, incentives and we already gave it to you and you were happy and now we're back we can't do our business if you cut down the forest and he was like oh I'm sorry I'm sorry and then he's like I'm not gonna do it again and then he did some business again he shared a lot of money with them and he left for another three months or so and when he came back the same story the for a part of the of the forest was gone. This is why we were like, well, okay, what if we put like this forest caretaker system there, where people can come, uh, protect the forest, and also you know do some sort of um, businesses that I that we have in our portfolio, um, and give them like you know this ongoing support and like showing trust that we're there for you and we're not gonna like just leave you, um, yeah. I think it is very vital to, you know, Ariana, as you just said, to really understand the long-term perspective from the people on the ground and the long-term perspective from the people that live and own the forest, right? The stewards and the caretakers of the land, because this, this idea of coming and going and giving money and then leaving and then expecting them to have the same ethos or values while they have to feed 
um, families and 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 you know in, entire villages of, of people. I think um, it's sometimes very it's it's a very privileged thinking that we we all will just follow the good values. And so in order to create that equality of, of value and that kind of uh, metaphorical on-ramp into the same values, we need to create really sustainable, really sustainable pathways. So this is exciting. Joanne, yeah, feel free to ask a question. Hi, Ariana, I really loved your presentation. Thank you so much. I wanted to share some information about indigenous um, models that have worked very, very well for a company that I've advised for years called originalbeans.com. And they pay six times above fair trade rates to local people. They create businesses with them, growing cacao in the rainforest canopy. And then they, that goes to market to Michelin star chefs and very leading um, uh, chocolatiers all around the world. And they make such profitable business out of growing um, inside the canopies. They also grow arable plants. So they have livelihood, they have food to eat, and then they have money to make um, for their education. And I visited one of the, the um, one of the places where they're growing the cacao in the, in the sort of cloud forest of Ecuador. And you know, they, they built school and they built a hospital and it was all off the back of this business, which they've all taught how to use. Right? Example in the Congo, in the Varunga National Park, they're working with women who are victims of, um, of awful war crimes. And they've taught them, they've taught them how to read and write and they've created a whole ecosystem around the cacao and, and brought women up as well. So I think there's lots of models that people like that would happily share with you. They're in about 20 equatorial countries around the world. And in each country, they, they vary the model depending on the local groups of people and how pe what people want and how they want. And they give them the kit of parts and then they bring in the right people on the ground to help them and then they let them be. But they create the route to market. And that's been a very successful business model. And saved lots of forests and reforested large areas of forest that were denuded. Wow, that's very beautiful. I would love to to talk to people there. Or happily, I'll happily connect yeah. you. Thank you so much. Allowing for just a little bit of silence sometimes helps us to, you know, let that come in and get in a, a bit deeper. What's what's happening in this call? I think what I want to personally highlight is just the continued effort of everyone showing up in this circle, because really these conversations uh, we're not the only ones on the planet having them, right? And we we're definitely a think tank of of people that is very committed. Everyone in their own mission, in their own business, in their own journey, and then when we come together, we realize how we can amplify. So. Um, yeah, Brooke, would you like to share, um, you just shared in the chat as well. I know you are so deeply involved in uh, ecological restoration around the world. Um, is there, is there something you, you could contribute at this moment? Um, I'm just agreeing with what everyone's saying and how crucial it is for us to really, um, take into account all the local traditions and the populations and their needs. And to, when we directly draw that line between their, livelihood and healthy forests and then we automatically create this guardianship that's just innate in the populations uh, we've seen that in africa with the forest gardens um, with the orangutan projects and you know in 
Indonesia, where they're creating these really self-sustaining business models that they are gardening along the edges of the forest and creating kind of buffer zones that then the more virgin forests thrive. So there's a lot of different organizations that I've just been really excited to see that they've tapped into that and that reconnecting um, the needs of, of the people to the forest. So um, I think, um, Ariana, this is brilliant. Um, when we can find really lucrative ways and just ways that people can can save their forests, we're doing this uh, with black sheep. You know, Josh is on the call um, down in Costa Rica. This, it's this it's the same thing. It's doing the agroforestry along the edges and then allowing for these wildlife corridors to be rebuilt and for all the animals to return. And the the local people are stoked because they're having their livelihood directly. Uh, interrelated with these healthy environments so and all done organically so it's a it's a beautiful thing that's coming up and I any way that we can combo these different technologies and ideas to to protect and save our forests you know I'm in I actually missed um, a small part of the presentation, so forgive me if it, it, it wasn't covered, but I, I was intrigued, Ariana, as to how far along you are in sort of implementing this in, in particular cases and also kind of what, what you're needing where, when, like, I, I very much buy into the sort of commercialization vision of how you, how you get a livelihood out of the forest, but, but where are you as a project in in developing that and and what can speed you along kind of thing thank you so much toby um so right now we've um done partnerships with forest owners um and that leads us to the next um step of us implementing the model there um specifically more active in panama uh, because that's a forest that really, really needs um, support. Um, so starting January, uh, we're implementing the model actively there. And also, um, we're also fundraising for this um, research and development um, stage um, to help us um, bring more scientists on board um, and really reach the, the people and the targets that we, we set up for, for this phase. Um, so these are the two things that are next, um, like right in the next month <laughs> for us. And, and who are you finding it resonates with in terms of like, I think you, you'll get quite a lot of, like, is it, is it something where you've looked into crowdfunding or that kind of thing? Because I would have thought there's quite a lot of viral marketing you could do on this kind of thing, right? Because yeah. everyone everyone can understand the concept and idea. I don't know if you've been exploring that kind of avenue. I haven't, I haven't been exploring the crowdfunding part. We've been talking to um, um, impact investors and we've been also talking to certain foundations that they do have an impact investing arm to them. Um, these are the, the two main stakeholders that are very interested in this. And of course, um, some smaller angel investors that they've started to do impact investing. Um, yeah. Cool. And, and, and have you brought any of them across the line yet? 
in terms of work? I haven't tried to do that. We're just, I'm just talking to, to them to see who is like, who I feel the most comfortable with um, for this very small uh, round that can actually support us with, um, with different resources as well, not, as, not only money. So um, I haven't specifically picked some of them yet. I'm still having conversations to, to see who's the best. <laughs> Excellent, Ariana. As we're wrapping up this, this call and this session today, maybe just share what this small round um, entails, just so we can place this here at the end of this, this conversation. Uh, like how much money we're raising? Yeah. Um, we're raising a million in safe uh, with a discount. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for bringing this into the Planet Positive circle and, um, you know, using the Planet Positive platform to, you know, get your, um, your project seen even more so and connect with some of the really active people that we have in, in this weekly call. Uh, thank you to everyone showing up today. Uh, I hope to see you all next week. Make sure to share this link as well to select people that you trust and select people you want to bring into the circle. And uh, have a fantastic rest of your day, evening, day, morning, everywhere, wherever you are in the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. Here we are. This is your host, Julian. Thanks for listening. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, relationships, and business and the way you show up as your best self for the world. Did you know that we just launched a participatory Patreon asking you for your contributions of content and gifting a monthly subscription to our shared mission? The Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, video interviews and community is growing and together we can make it count and carry big ripples. So go and check out the Patreon. It's linked out in the show notes of every episode. The Patreon for Green Planet, Blue Planet and the community we're building together. Thanks for choosing to support with your time, money, or content. And that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe, review the show, share it with a friend, spread the love, and have yourself a stellar day. All the best. Mm -hmm.